You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-S. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Our NFC North Division Crossover Series restarts today. We'll do the NFC North the rest of the week, starting with your first place Green Bay Packers, at least from last season. Remember, they're the, the worst 13-3 and team ever. Just just remember that. Um, we're going to go through the rest of the division uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in order. And we're in a very different place here. And I, I don't mean we as the Packers. I mean we as an NFL society. I mean we as um, the rosters are very different. Everything really is different because... The draft has happened. Free agency has happened. And so uh, we're in a very different place. Uh, the, the hosts and I are. I have the hosts of Locked on Vikings, Locked on Bears, and Locked on Lions ready to go in just a little bit to talk about the state of the Green Bay Packers and where they are with this team as we head into the 2020 season, which looks like it's still going to happen. We're getting news seemingly every minute about the new restrictions or the new guidelines or the new negotiations between the NFL and the NFLPA. They are trying to figure out what to do with training camp. Right now, the players do not want an exhibition season. They want a longer period of acclimation. Once everyone gets into town, they want everyone to just chill for a little bit longer than the NFL does. And of course, the teams and the franchises want to play those games because that means money. And the players want the risk to be mitigated. And, and both sides, look, I understand their perspective on, on both of them. I think everyone um, wants that, that to be able to be done safely. In a perfect world, you can play the games and they can be safe. But the NFL and the NFL's Players Association have to make sure that that can be done. Before we get to the conversation with my NFL NFC North compatriots, I wanted to talk a little bit. We have talked about these lists in the past. We spent a lot of last week talking about these lists there. And Jones, running back list, we talked about the wide receiver Devontae Adams list. The latest ESPN list came out, and it's offensive tackle. And the name that got the biggest play as being either too low or or not on the list. In this case, not on the list is Mitchell Schwartz from the Kansas City Chiefs. A little bit lost in all of that shuffle is David Bakhtiari came in seventh among offensive tackles. Seventh. The best pass-blocking offensive lineman in football. The best pure left tackle in football. Seventh on the list. And Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, who helped aggregate these lists, he's sort of been taking charge of 
the the lists as they've gone out on social media. I'm sure he's had a big hand in reporting them, whether it's for NFL executives, coaches, players, all of the people who were a part of putting these lists together. And he said one of the reasons that Mitchell Schwartz was not higher is about traits, that he's not super athletic. He is not the ideal athlete for the position. But the problem is he is a really good player. And it makes sense for an NFL team to look at a college player and say, okay, this is the traits that we care about. And either you have them or you don't. And if you don't have them, what can be coached? Physically, there is only so much that can be coached. If you don't have the foot speed, if you don't have the lateral quickness, if you don't have the size, certainly the height and the length, that stuff can't be coached. But if you have the physical talents, then you can improve from there. And that is an intuitive way to approach the NFL draft. It is not a smart way to approach evaluating NFL players because in the NFL, at a certain point, you are what you are. You put on tape every week the kind of player that you are. And so for someone like Trent Williams to be ahead of David Bakhtiari, someone who hasn't played in almost two calendar years and who was hurt the last time we had an NFL season, who sat out an entire year because of a dispute with his team and who is on the wrong side of 30. I know Trent Williams is a great player when he's on the field. He's a really, really good player. But we haven't seen him. We saw David Bakhtiari last year be really, really good, be one of the best offensive tackles in football. Trent Williams turns 32 in a week and hasn't played. How can he be ahead of David Bakhtiari on this list? How can Tyron Smith, who hasn't been healthy for an entire season since like 2014, how can he be ahead of David Bakhtiari on the list? And the, the answer is traits, size, athleticism, speed, whatever. That is how NFL teams make mistakes. They care too much about physical attributes and not enough about the player. And again, in the draft, it makes sense to care about traits because you need to be able to take someone at 21, 22, 23 years old and say, what can they be? But once someone is 25, 26, 27, 28, they've been in the league five, six years, we know what they are. They're unlikely to be anything other than they've been. They're not going to get significantly better. It's more likely they're going to get significantly worse. So if you're Mitchell Schwartz or you're David Bakhtiari and you've been an ass kicker in this league, basically from the jump in, in Bakhtiari's case, Schwartz has come into his own a little bit more the last few years. They've been two of the best offensive tackles in football. It no longer matters what their 40 time was. It no longer, and, and, and the reason it doesn't matter anymore is because all of those things that were so impressive about Tyron Smith when he was drafted, they're gone. They're gone because his legs are not the same. His back is not the same. His upper body strength is not the same because his body has been beaten down and broken by the NFL. 
And so even if he's a really good player 10 times a year, he's still not David Bakhtiari consistent or Mitchell Schwartz consistent because those guys play 16 games every year. And from week one to week 17 and beyond, you know they're going to be on the field doing the thing. That's not the truth for everyone on this list. And this is why NFL teams screw up. It's why the Packers have screwed up in the past. They're so concerned about traits. The the Patriots are the best at this. Don't tell me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do. And so Dom Capers had Micah Hyde on his roster. And it turns out Micah Hyde is a really good football player if you put him in the right position. If he's a free safety, if he's reading the quarterback's eyes, if he can come downhill, it doesn't matter that he runs 4-6. It doesn't matter that he's not athletic enough to play cornerback. He doesn't have to be a hybrid nickel player. He can be a full-time deep safety and be a Pro Bowl caliber player there. The Packers were not able to say, tell me what he can do, not what he can't do. Casey Hayward came onto the field in the NFL, was an outstanding rookie. Now, yes, he had some injury issues, and I've defended Ted Thompson in the past for saying this player on this team is not an elite guy or he's not a consistent, reliable guy. And he was coming off a season in Green Bay going into his free agency where he had been hurt. But, for example, the pro football focus number said he was still really good, not quite as impactful but still really good. But Dom Capers didn't want to play him where he was best. He was too small for the Packers to be a boundary corner. He went to first San Diego, then LA, same team, just different cities, and has shown that he's one of the best defensive backs in football. It was a lack of imagination. It was too many coaches saying this is what he can't do, not what he can do, worrying about projection. Worrying about physical attributes. Oh, he's too small to play on the outside. Oh, he can't hack it. He's he's not big enough. He's not fast enough to play on the outside. Except he is an all-pro caliber cornerback for the Chargers. Worrying about traits can get you in trouble if you do not balance it with the player that we've seen on the field. And the reverse can certainly be true. Sometimes we, th- we think, oh, this guy's been great, and you realize, oh, well, if he's not playing around all of these other great players, he's not nearly as good, and, and plenty of other teams have fallen into that trap, or, hey, the Patriots made someone look really good, and they made him look better than he really is. But a great example, Zadarius Smith, not a freak athlete, not a Rashawn Gary-level athlete, not even a Kyler Fackrell-level athlete, not a Preston Smith-level athlete but a guy who got better, who improved. Certainly has the size, 6'4", 6'5", 270 plus. But Bud Dupree on his own Kentucky team, I watched them and I said, Zadarius Smith is the better player. But Bud Dupree has more upside. Physical attributes. But then once we got into the league, Zadarius was playing part-time snaps and delivering pressure rate creating opportunities for himself. He had worked on his hands. He'd gotten stronger. He had become a technician. He had become more polished. And he was proving it on tape in the NFL. And I was on this show 
last year in March saying, that's a guy I would target. And to the point where I was like, I don't know why the Ravens wouldn't re-sign him. But if he can be had for a reasonable number, sign him. I also said Packers probably overpaid for him, but that he could live up to that contract because we'd seen him in the small flashes that he got to be on the field be a really good football player. That is the projection. Once you're in the league, that's what I care about. Show me in the league that you can do it. And that is what matters. Speaking of projection, uh, when you have a car, and when you've had a car for a long time, it can be hard to predict how long it can keep running. And then things break down. And you go, oh, I got to replace this. I got to replace that. I had some old cars in my life. I had an 80s Volvo 240DL back in the day. I had a stick shift Corolla wagon. That was a a glorious piece of machinery. (laughs) Not really, no. It was really not. But when you own a car, you have to replace parts. And it can be hard to find the right parts. If you need to replace the, the fan belt in a 1987 Volvo, that could be hard to find. You go on rockauto.com, they might have it. And not only might they have it, but they have it for a low price. They're not the kind of place that says, oh, mechanics get charged one price and the do-it-yourselfer get charged another. No, no, no. They want everyone who goes on their site to get the lowest price. You don't need a member login. This is not some special club. If you have access to the internet, you have access to the lowest prices on auto parts anywhere. So go to Rock Auto right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. It is another edition of the Locked On Podcast Network, NFC North Division Crossover. We're back, guys, and a lot has happened for the Green Bay Packers over the last few months. I don't know if you heard uh, what happened in the draft or what didn't happen in the draft. That's certainly something that we will get to. The Packers didn't add a receiver, despite the fact that everyone thought that they would, although Devin Funches, I suppose, counts, didn't add a frontline receiver replaced Brian Bulaga with Rick Wagner, replaced Blake Martinez with Christian Kirksey, and I don't think are necessarily a a fundamentally more talented team than they were last year. That's how I want to start this discussion, and I want to start with Locked On Vikings and Luke Braun because, Luke, last year I went into the season believing that the Vikings were the most talented team in the NFC North. And that didn't mean that I thought they were necessarily going to win, but I thought they were the most talented given what's happened this offseason for both of the teams that we cover. Do you think that is still the case? Because I think it's a lot closer as we stand here in July than it was July of last year. Closer at least, right? If not, maybe a, a tie or even maybe the Vikings have kind of sunk. And, you know, we'll talk about it in a couple of days about, or uh, I guess tomorrow about the Vikings, but the the Vikings definitely had an offseason that I think left their roster in worse shape than it was at this time last year. And it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like the Packers have basically spun their wheels. They've tr- kind of uh, traded out one guy for another that can be seen as maybe a wash, maybe a little better, maybe a little worse, but there are, it doesn't seem like there's been, you know, a big piece added. I mean, the big ad of the off season isn't, 
going to play this year. Maybe he won't even play next year in Jordan, Jordan Love. And the next two big rookies are both uh, running backs who, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think are very big in like helping Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. So it seems like you're going to go into another season running back the formula of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and just force him a million targets and see if anybody can beat that. And to the Packers' credit, that went 13-3. and three. Uh, so maybe that is a formula that they do feel confident in running back, but it does seem like the Packers are kind of running it back and saying, listen, last year went well, let's try that again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They are definitely spinning their wheels in that way. And, and they, they have to hope that some of the stuff that went right for them last year, some of the close game wins and, and those kinds of things are, are replicable. Generally speaking, NFL history says that they aren't. So I think it's a, an interesting strategy. They're hoping, I think, a lot of the year two improvement in Matt LaFleur's offense. Then you see year two of Zadaria Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos in this defense. Um, that, that that helps booster uh, bolster this defense a little bit more in 2020. Uh, and speaking of Adrian Amos, um, let's talk to Lauren because that's my favorite thing to talk about. We don't, I'm not going to ask you about Adrian Amos, but but the Bears addressed their biggest position of need at the quarterback position do you do you feel like I mean you and I talked before the season last year and I said I felt like the Packers could be as good as the Bears but the Bears were better until we saw it until the Bears proved otherwise I feel like we're now the flip side of that do you think that's fair because I do think the Bears are still a good team yeah I think there's there's some proving that needs to be done some some reproving for sure that you know, it feels like the Bears are, are trying to do uh, – they're not trying to reinvent the wheel here with, with what they do as a team on both sides of the ball. They just – they kind of feel like a lot went wrong last season and if they could just kind of flip a switch and almost do it all over again but do it slightly differently but with a lot of the same guys, I think they feel like the pieces are there that just the execution for whatever reason wasn't. So, you know, when you add Nick Foles in with Mitch Trubisky, the idea is to get one of them to play – a consistent quarterbacking through a, a full season. But, you know, like when I think back to those Packers games, both of them that the Bears played against them last season, the Bears ended up having to pretty much go to the all Trubisky offense. I think he had like, what, 45 and 55 pass attempts in those two games. They just couldn't do mm-hmm. anything but throw. And is it going to be Nick Foles in those same shoes? And is, are you going to have a different result? I, you know, I don't know. It feels like not only do you need better quarterback play, but you're going to need some better support around them especially offensively but even the defense continuing to kind of do its thing before we really see any change from what we saw last season which kind of like you said was a good team but not a great team and I I don't know what's necessarily supposed to be the big difference maker for them this season when you talk about catching up to the Green Bay Packers. So speaking of catching up Matt I hate to do this to you but <laughs> it's just the position that the Lions find themselves in and I'm I'm actually more bullish on the Lions this year than I was last year uh, I I went on your radio show the other day and talked about Darius Slay's comments Devontae Adams comments on Matt Patricia's defense Paul Pasqualoni's defense depending on who you ask depending on which Twitter avatar is in your mentions and I'm just wondering you know, when you look at how well the Lions have played the Packers over the last few years, you know, there's this question about, oh, do the Lions need to change their defense if, if teams know what's coming? It doesn't seem like the Lions need to do much anything differently against the Packers because they've matched up well with them the last few years. 
Yeah, it, it's certainly been very, very interesting to watch how the Lions went from we can never win in Green Bay, right. we can never win at a county stadium, <laughs> right. to all of a sudden they win there one time and now they own the place. And last year's game at Lambeau obviously was a highly discussed game that the Lions, the Lions fans, even me, thought was taken from them by the officials and some, some really horrific calls on Trey Flowers and the hands-to-the-face routine. But, of course, they did need to get a stop at the end of that game and, and, and couldn't do it, and it was the Alan Lazard uh, uh, coming-out party game. Uh, in Detroit now, there are fans, and I'm not one of them, that, that believe that the Packers will come back down to earth at 13 wins, no way that happens again, and that it's the Lions and Vikings to play for this division this year, and that Green Bay will have this serious come down. And I'm, I'm not ready to, to endorse that just yet. I do think the Lions have had a good offseason. Um, but, but you still look at what Green Bay has defensively, and you look at some of those lists that are done in the offseason, like Pete Prisco's top 100, and you see seven Vikings and six Packers. And then you go, hmm, how many Lions? Zero. You know, Galladay's on the could-be-mentioned list, you know, the, the, the honorable mentions. Green Bay still has playmakers on that defense and guys up front. You know, if you put a Kenny Clark on the Lions, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. He's exactly what they need. Um, uh, same with the cornerback. Um, why is his name, his name escaping me right now? You're the very good. Jair Alexander. Yeah, you, Jair Alexander, you put him on the Lions. Now we're talking. But the Lions don't have that. So I'm not ready yet to say that the Lions are going to pass the Packers just yet. I, I do think Detroit is better. I, I'm still, and we've talked about this, Pete. I, I don't know what Green Bay did in the draft. I didn't think it made any sense. Um, but, but that's what kind of makes this, uh, this exciting. So I have a question for the group here. Does anyone think heading into the season, Green Bay is the best team in the NFC North? Yes. I, think I would say no. I still think it's the Vikings. I think it's kind of like you said with the Bears last season, Peter, where it's it's the Packers until they prove us otherwise. I, th- I think we all kind of think they overachieved last season, but that doesn't mean they can't still be the best team in the division, even if it's not quite as stellar as they were last year. Yeah, I think that they had – I mean, getting Devin Funches will definitely help, um, but I think that they're just leaning on the formula that took them to 13-3 and three last year, and I don't – Honestly, I don't think any other team in the NFC North had a good enough offseason to be like, no, now we are the Kings and we are the challengers. I, I think that there is a lot of room for different outcomes. Um, but I think the Packers are the odds on betting favorite. And I don't think that that's like a slight on anyone. I don't think anybody's disrespected by that or, or like incorrectly evaluated by that. The, the fact remains that the Packers have a reliable quarterback. And all the other quarterbacks in this division are talented. There's, I mean, Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford have their talents and their strengths, but they also have their inconsistencies. And I think while Aaron Rodgers has plenty of his own flaws with like depth of target and, and throw, throwaways and stuff like that, there is this uh, like this Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams thing is going to be formidable and nobody could figure it out last year. So I, I agree with Lauren. I think that if, somebody proves it then it will remain proven but i i think that somebody like they they are the team to beat until proven otherwise no mention of nick Foles there lucas wow i am still still <laughs> hurt by him and i would appreciate it if you didn't use his name around me it still hurts <laughs> 
So I want to I want to finish up with this question because I'm 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 fascinated by the answers that you all just gave. But as I look around this division, I see a lot of teams, including in some ways the Lions, that think they can compete right now, given you know the draft that the Vikings just had, um, you know the the talent um, that that the Lions have accrued, um, and and obviously the the long term play the Packers made in the draft. If we have this conversation three, four, five years from now, who do you think is going to be the team that that is in the catbird seat here? Well, I mean, I, again, I, I'm I'm supposed to be a homer and say the Lions are are you know they've somehow found a way with new ownership, albeit the owner's uh, owner's wife's daughter uh, now taking over. But um, I I just I, Maybe maybe you know, I'm not stroking uh, Lucas here. I, the Vikings to me have an identity, and, and, and with that tough defense and that run game and the play action passing game, and I know Stefanski's gone, and that that might hurt, but I, I still think that's the team to beat. I still think that's the best team that with the identity and what Mike Zimmer's doing. But again, you're right. It, 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 you know, losing Stephon Diggs and some other things, maybe they do take a step back. But that that's the team that I think. I look at it as being the best, at least right now, and, and maybe even down the road too. You know, it's talent, talent base. It's interesting that with with all of the the criticism that the Packers received for drafting Jordan Love this offseason, as I look across these rosters, the Packers are the only one with a long term plan at quarterback. Like, who knows how many more years Stafford has left? Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins' contract situation has a few more years on it, and then there's some uncertainty long-term there. The Bears sure as heck don't have a long-term quarterback plan, and all of a sudden, the Packers are the only they one that not have a short-term quarterback plan. Well, <laughs> yeah. but the Packers <laughs> are the only one that can say, yeah, we're, we've got at least something on the roster and, and ready to go if and when Aaron Rodgers is ready to hang it up. It is interesting in, like, the way that long-term sets up, too, because – if you look at like the front office configurations of all of these teams five years from now, will the Vikings still have the same coach and GM, you know, will mm-hmm. the bears still have the same coach and GM and all that. And it, I mean, for the Vikings who have had the same configuration for a while, it really will take one, six and 10 season for them to decide to blow everything up. So even if they have uh, an identity right now, um, I mean, if 2022 goes south because of Kirk Cousins' $45 million cap hit, then they could end up blowing it up. So when you ask the question of five years from now, I have no idea what the division could look like five years from now. But I think the the team that's probably most likely to have consistency there, I would say probably the Vikings or the Packers, just because I know the Vikings owners very well, and the Vikings owners, the Wilfs, like value consistency a lot they want to run their franchise like the Steelers um and I think that the Packers kind of run in a similar way even though that they have they just changed their GM not too long ago and all that but I think that they'll they'll have that consistency so I would go with Vikings or Packers in terms of like the brightest future just by way of like odds of consistency yeah I I think that um that that's how I would lean as well and and Matt as I as I finish up here I do think it was wrong that Kenny Galladay was not on that list. He's, he's really good. And, and I don't think enough people think that, that Kenny Galladay is a top hundred player because he is absolutely one of the best receivers in football. That is something we will talk about later in the week when Matt gets his chance to be in front of the microphone. Um, in like I am now, I guess we're all in front of microphones, but um, um, this is, this is my team. So I get to be in charge and that's over. We're done with that because tomorrow Luke gets to take the reins We talk about the Vikings and the Locked On Podcast Network, NFC North crossover continues. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by Bobbles Galore. Bobbles Galore is a leading bobblehead retailer in the country with a vast inventory of bobbleheads for all sorts of major sports leagues, including the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. They are officially licensed by the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. You're looking for a gift for the sports fan in your life. A bobblehead is such an underrated gift because everyone, even someone who has it all, they could always use a cool bobblehead. And that's what Bobbles Galore has right now. They have a triple MVP Wisconsin puzzle bobblehead that showcases Giannis and Tedekumbo, Aaron Rodgers, and Christian Yelich together. And the NBA is about to get underway for the Bucks fan in your life. Get the Greek flag Giannis bobblehead. Both are equipped with a really cool augmented reality experience via the Bobble Galore unique AR Bobbles app. They also have a super friendly chat feature on their website. Go get your questions answered. They make custom bobbleheads for your event. This is great for bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. Everyone wants their own bobblehead. So go get your friend, your boss, the person in your life that you struggle to shop for. Get them a bobblehead. Go to bobblesgalore.com. Use the promo code locked on to get free shipping. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow talking about the Vikings. And I, I think uh, this is, a, this is a, a really useful conversation for me anyway because I get to check in with the, the analysts for other shows and see where they are on the Packers. And I thought it was interesting that I expected there to be a little bit more pushback. I asked the question, do you think the Packers are the best team or who is the best team? I even left it open-ended. Do, who do you think is the best team in the NFC North? And is it the Packers? And they basically said yes, by and large, believed until proven otherwise, it is the Green Bay Packers. I don't think that's the sentiment that is widely shared, but I think it's worth pointing out that it is shared by some people who follow the NFL as closely as anyone else and who follow other teams, follow teams who are competing with the Packers. And so if they think the Packers are the best team, I think that's something worth taking notice of. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, send me your questions. You've seen a, a movie. Have you watched Palm Springs on Hulu? Go check it out. Let me know what you think. Send me those notes on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920 341 3775 to stay locked on Packers.